Well, good morning. My name's Alan. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and thanks for sharing February the 14th with us here today. I'm going to tackle an extraordinary subject, the mystery of love. There are two great themes. Um, they resonate through films, they resonate through art and music and books and entertainment, and they profoundly reveal something about the core of the human heart. Those two themes are firstly the theme of law. Something mysterious about the human heart that has a fascination with law, justice, the legal system, courts, crime and punishment, guilt and innocence. So much of our entertainment and the books and the films resonate with this theme, the issue of law and justice. The other great theme, probably the greatest theme of all, is the theme of love. And love really is an extraordinary mystery. The sound we just heard was from the movie called Moulin Rouge, a story of love and a story of tragedy. And it makes you cry. Every time I've, I've watched it and I hear that song, I'm deeply moved by it. Why is that so? What is love? So many songs, so many films, so many books have been written about the issue of love, but what on earth is it? Um, great poets have explored the theme and sometimes when it's put to music, we kind of feel like we're getting closer to an understanding. You go back to a more romantic age and you'll hear someone like Nat King Cole share with you a beautiful song explaining the mystery of love. is a many splendid thing It's the April rose that only grows in the early spring. Love is nature's way of giving a reason to be living. The golden crown that makes a man a king. How extraordinary. A reason for living. Is there any reason to be living if there is no love? And what a powerful thing love must be if it can make a man or a woman feel like a king or a queen. Why is that so? I mean, if you come a little bit closer, one generation closer uh, to today, we had a, a wonderful group of musicians who helped us to understand the importance of love. I guess the real puzzle would be, if love is all you need, how come you guys broke up? <laughs> Apparently, singing about love and identifying the significance of it doesn't guarantee that you know how it works or you know how to make it work in your life. Love, in fact, is a real mystery. You don't think love is a mystery? In 2012, the most Googled question over the internet was this question, what is love? In 2012, millions of people went online 
and put, it, put into the Google search engine the question, what is love? And Google felt that when that many people are asking the question, they ought to try to answer it. And as a result, they asked five experts to frame an answer to the question, what is love? And the first of those experts was, in fact, a physicist. Now, to the physicist, all there is in life is matter, dumb stuff. In fact, in a material universe made of dumb stuff, what could love possibly be? And in the mind of the physicist, this is his only answer. He says love is chemistry. Synapses, they fire in the brain. From an evolutionary perspective, love can be viewed as a survival tool, a mechanism we have evolved, how clever we are, to promote long-term relationships, mutual defence and the parental support of children. In the mind of the physicist, and I've heard many discussions over both radio and TV, where people who hold a materialistic view of life are really puzzled by this issue. In fact, uh, Richard Dawkins, perhaps one of the most aggressive promoters of the idea that there is nothing but matter and evolution is the solution to everything, acknowledged when he released his latest book on evolution that there were four things that evolution doesn't seem to be able to address the origin of life, the origin of sex, the origin of our morality and the origin of our self-consciousness and part of that self-consciousness is this awareness that we both love and we cry and desire deeply to be loved. Where does this come from in a purely materialistic world? Well, it, it simply must be chemistry. I heard one man in talking about this on the radio say, what else could it be? What more could there be than simply synapses firing in the brain and therefore in the mind of the uh, physicist and in the mind of materialist love is nothing more than feelings chemistry induced feelings it's one of the reasons in the western world there's such a love affair with drugs because i don't know how to create a loving relationship but i do know how to stick heroin in my arm and when i do that there's a chemistry chemical reaction in my brain that makes us kind of mimics being full and being loved and being cared for. And if I can't have the real thing, then I'll have the substitute. There's such a passionate love affair in this country with drugs simply because they work. And people are desperate to try to experience something that seems to be in the class that you could call love. Now, the problem, of course, is that if love really is just a feeling, what do you do when the feeling is no longer there. When I love you really means I get good feelings from you. I love you. When your mum says I love you, it just means I get good feelings from you. But as we saw on these testimonies this morning, often there aren't much good feelings to go with a very deep commitment of love. Many challenges involved. And when I uh, love you means you give me good feelings, that's a, really, uh, that's a really precarious place to be because you step up, as I did in 1968 with a pretty little 19-year-old, and I said to her, forsaking all others and cleaving only unto you, I made a commitment. Millions of women wept that day. <laughs> it's not an appropriate time to laugh. And a beautiful little 19-year-old girl pinned her future to my character 
Now, if all love is, is feelings, and the day comes when those feelings are gone, and she's committed the best years of her life to me, and I have benefited from all those good feelings, what remains in that circumstance? all that's left. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Is it just chemistry? In a purely materialistic world, that's all it can be because there is nothing else. Nothing other than atoms and molecules. Nothing other than dumb stuff. And love must be a combination of some chemical formula. But you see, the question I guess is, is love at its core a feeling? When Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, was he talking about a feeling I must generate toward God? When he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, was he talking about a feeling I must feel about my next door neighbor, whether he uses underarm deodorant or not? Well, Google pressed on in their attempt to answer the big question. Big question, what is love? So they asked a philosopher. Now, a philosopher gave a more complete answer than the physicist. He said it's an elusive question because love is not one thing. And that, of course, is true. The love that I have with my wife is purely unique. We have a sexual relationship. I don't have that with any other person on the face of the world, in, in, the, uh, in the earth, and I never have. That's a unique relationship. If love is just sex... Well, it's a very limited thing because there's only one person in the world with whom I will ever actually be in love. But we know that is simply not true. We know that love profoundly extends to friendships. We know that it might extend to football, especially if you're barracked for Hawthorne. <laughs> we know that it extends to our children and by the grace of God, now that I have 11 and a half grandchildren... I know that there is a deeper love for grandchildren than for my children. They're way better than my own children ever were. That's why they call them grandchildren. God's reward for not killing your kids. It's a very, very fine thing. The love I have for those little tykes is... Well, what is that? It's certainly not the same love, the same kind of love that I have for my, for my wife. And what, what do we call a love? What kind of love is it when you say, I love God and my country? With what kind of love do I love my country? And then it becomes even more challenging. Um, is it possible for me to love someone I don't know? And is it possible for me to, to love someone who is my enemy? If evolution is the solution to the origin of love, and if love is a survival mechanism, it would be impossible to love my enemy. And yet, Jesus called us to do just that. Love has got to be much, much deeper than feelings. The philosopher goes on. He says, at its best, however, all love is a kind of passionate commitment that we nurture and develop, even though it usually arrives in our lives unbidden. 
That's why it is more than just a powerful feeling. Oh yeah, it's much more than a powerful feeling. And part of the healing of our lives is to begin to understand what love is and where it can be found. Because that's one of the big challenges also. It may be insufficient to be able to explain to you something about what love is if you don't know where to get it. Where does it come from? Where does love emanate? Where does it originate from? Because if I don't know how to find love, it may not do me any good to know everything I can about it. And you know, this is a cry that resonates through art and through music and through films. How do you find love? Where does it come from? And I really want to know the answer to that. What happened? I went backwards. I pressed too many things too quickly. We'll try one more time. In my life, there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. Can't stop now. I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. I want to know what love is. I want you. What is love? Well, they asked a nun. A nun said love is more easily experienced than it is defined. Good girl, I think that's so true. She went on to say, it seems remote until we encounter it and fleshed, so to say, in the life of another, in acts of kindness, in generosity and self-sacrifice. Love's the one thing that can never hurt anyone. Although it may cost dearly, it is supremely free, yet attaches us with bonds stronger than death. I want to know what love is. Well, love is a very mysterious thing. Where does it come from? Well, it is not the accidental product of a mindless mechanistic universe. It is not simply the end product. It is not the, the product in any way of any mix of atoms and molecules. Although in a material world and because we are human beings and God has given us the gift of experiencing life in a material form, it is expressed through that material form. And as a result, it becomes, just as our nun said, it becomes so much easier to see it when you would experience it in the life of another. The Bible says in one of the passages already mentioned this morning, how will you know when you're encountering love? Well, I may not be able to define it for you, but I know it when I see it. Love is patient. When somebody so values you as to not instantaneously give you what you deserve, that's love. Love is kind. When someone so values you that they treat you in a way that perhaps you did not deserve, that's love. 
It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud because it's not focused on self. It does not dishonor because the essence of love is the capacity to esteem or to value outside of oneself, outside of the feelings you experience, outside of the benefit to oneself. I mean, we use the term love so loosely. I love my Coca-Cola. What I really mean is when I drink Coke, I get feelings that I like. So my love is entirely self-centered. It's centered on the fact that I get something out of this. And that may also be true as we spread that kind of word to the love of friends or to the love of golf or to the love of even my mum or my dad that um, I like this association because it helps meet my personal needs. But love at its deepest sense, love, the kind of love that we crave to, crave to know about is not about the fulfillment of self. It goes to the miracle of value and esteem because in fact, love is personal. Its origin is not found in matter. Its origin is found in the mystery of personality that never had a beginning. The Bible says God is love. God is love. It's the only word in the Bible, and it's the only word in our language that God is willing to use to describe himself. The Bible says God is spirit. So here is a challenging thought. Love at its essence is spirit. It's like breath. It's like the wind. It's like a vapor. It's a life force because spirit is a life that does not exist in material form. It doesn't find its life from oxygen or nitrogen or iron or gold or silver. It's a life force that is, dis that is distinct and separate from a material world. And that's what makes it such a difficult thing to, to define. It's like defining the wind. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he'll never enter into the, or see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said, how will that happen? Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound of it. You can hardly define it. You can't capture it, but it's as real as you can imagine. It'll drive a ship from one end of the earth to the other because God is spirit, love is spirit, and at the core of your being, you are more than a bag of atoms and molecules. The life within you is a gift from God. There is within you this miracle life force called spirit. And it is that life force within you that gives you the capacity to will. The capacity to will. The miracle about being a human being is that there can be demands from our body and our mind, our passions and our appetites that are profound and powerful, and yet in the center of all of that cry, the cry for food or sex or entertainment or pleasure, there is an inward life that has the ability to say, I will not indulge that desire. The ability to make a choice, the ability to value one thing above another, one behavior above another, one action above another, and choose even contrary to every material pressure 
that you encounter in life. Because at its core, the miracle love is a choice or the capacity to value. And it is only ever known by the actions that it prompts. It's a miracle. I think one of the most stunning things about being a human being is the fact that we can even use a word like love. What is love? Love is a decision to value and to esteem. And when we don't understand that, we sometimes think we might have fallen out of love. But you see, when you've made a decision to value and to esteem, and as a result, because of the value I bestow, the value I choose to give you, I will only do good. I determine that every action that I do will be for your blessing and for your help. You see, when the nun said this, it is remote until we encounter it enfleshed, so to say, in the life of another, in acts of kindness, generosity and self-sacrifice. I think she was so right. What is love? It's a decision to value and to esteem. And then to express it requires a language. All expression cries out for a language. It's one of the most interesting books that's been written of recent days, The Language of Love, learning to understand love languages. Because when you are on the receiving end of time or gifts or patience or forgiveness, you are encountering the miracle called love. And the language of love is the language of heaven. And love is also the accent of heaven. And what makes love such a miracle is that because it is a language, it can be learned. Did you learn a language? Yes, you did. Of course you did. Well, how did you do that? How did you do that? How on earth did you learn a language? How many of you have ever tried to learn a second language? Like in your adult years, you've tried to learn a language. How hard was that? I mean, I went to school for two years with an expert and textbooks and dedicated times to learn German. Das ist mein Bleistift. I couldn't cross the road in Germany with the German I learned in two years. How did I ever manage English, a, a more difficult language? How did you do it? It's amazing. You pick it up from your environment. You know how you learned your first language? You were born into a house. And you have been created by God, a bottle of matter inhabited by a spirit, a gift from heaven, the life shared by God with human beings. And inside there is this understanding, this intuitive understanding that love is the center of life. Uh, we don't understand it because I didn't learn the language so well. I grew up in a home where love was kind of mixed in the way people understood it and we kind of garbled our language. And as a result, I learned to speak love quite Im imperfectly. I learned to confuse meeting my own needs with love. How did you learn a language? They put you in a house, surrounded you with people, and all they did was do their life. And because you are a miracle of a little learning computer, somehow you sucked in the vibe 
of what was going on around you so that even a few months down the track, when Uncle Harry came in and looked over your cot or in your pram and how did you know that wasn't language? I don't know. Maybe for a time you thought it was. But then came the miracle. Months down the track. Mama. Dada. No. <laughs> Who taught that kid to say no? No, no. He, he didn't have to have lessons, mate. He just had to hang around with you. You have no idea how often you say that word. <laughs> and that's what made Jesus such a gift to the world. Because when Jesus came and he demonstrated to us the life of heaven, he could then say, a new commandment I give to you. If love is a feeling, it cannot be commanded. But if love is a decision, it can be commanded. And one of the most powerful lessons you will ever learn in your life is that love is way more than a feeling. It is a decision, it is a determination to value and then to live consistent with the value. And if you do that, it's extraordinary how feelings can come. One of the most disturbing experiences I ever had that shook my whole paradigm of what love and romance could all be about took place one day when my senior minister, who had lost his wife early in, in his, married, his married life and had been a single man for 17 years, called me into his office one Sunday morning. I was uh, one of his pastors and uh, he said, Alan, I need you to know that today I'm going to announce my engagement. Well, I thought, good Lord, he's kept that one silent, quiet. He said, Alan, uh, I've been thinking that because of my travel, it would be wisest for me to be married. I have considered all of the options and there is only one woman in the sphere of my influence that I think I could successfully be married to. We do not have a romantic relationship, but we have agreed to marry. My blood ran cold. Good Lord, what is happening here? He said, we believe that if we act lovingly, we will build love and romance will grow. I had never seen anyone act on this principle in that way. We have in Western civilization the view that somehow love is something helpless into which you fall. And once you've fallen into it, you must act upon it. Oh, you couldn't imagine. Even if it's inappropriate, if it's your neighbor's wife or someone with whom it would be totally inappropriate, well, how can you help it? I fell in love. He said to me, we believe that if we choose to treat each other lovingly, love will grow. That marriage is now 35 years down the track. They have built his 99 years of age and he loves his wife with a passion. It's one of the most successful and beautiful marriages I've ever seen because scary thing this, love is a decision. It is the language of heaven. And so Jesus could say to us a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I 
have loved you. Well, how did you love us, Jesus? I valued you before the foundation of the world so profoundly that I so value you, I understand your greatest need. Now, you and I don't always fully understand our greatest needs. We often think our greatest needs, I need a Jaguar. I've seen it on TV. You can't know how badly I need one. I need, I need. Our greatest need in life is to be reconciled to a holy God and the problem we always faced was the problem of our own sin. Jesus, knowing the greatest need we had was for our sins to be totally forgiven, determined to so value us that he would step out of his eternal role as spirit and take on human flesh and be born of a virgin's womb that he might live under the law, fulfilling all the requirements that the law held towards us and then at the end of our life to give to God the gift of his perfection that he might take upon himself our own sins and brokenness so that the holy God of heaven could find a way to let broken, sinful people totally be free. And you say, I don't understand that. Come back for Easter and we'll explain it in greater detail. The average Australian has no understanding of what his greatest need is. The greatest, you were created for God and you were created for heaven. And if you never connect with God in this life, your entire experience, no matter whatever else unfolds in life, your entire experience of living has been wasted for you were created for God, to be a child of God and to live in his house, which is called heaven. You were created for him, you were created by him, and your heart will never know rest until it finds its rest in him. And Jesus said, I will love you. I will value you so profoundly that what I will do will be for your ultimate good. He carried our sins in his own body on the tree that our experience might be an experience of forgiveness He said to his disciples, as I have loved you, the way I have loved you, I have chosen to value you. I have chosen to make my life a demonstration and a pathway for a new life for you. Now I want you to love one another in the same way. In that way, Jesus redefined love for us. Now this is where the struggle lies. The problem is this. We have wounded spirits. We've grown up in a broken world. And the way you learn language is by picking it up from the environment in which you live. You and I have learned our vision of language from the experiences we have of life, from the way in which life has encountered us. It's why people who are abused early in life can so easily believe that there's nothing lovable about them. Because if I was lovable, how could this have ever happened to me. A language gets lost. And in the, in the process, um, our hearts are broken and they need repair. Then we enter into relationships 
We have husbands and wives. Children are born into the world. And with our broken and inadequate understanding and experience and language of love, we try to create great relationships. It's one of the great challenges of church. Church is filled with broken and imperfect people on a pathway. They're not perfect. And love demands that we simply understand that as you need patience, I need patience. As you need kindness, I need kindness. As you need forgiveness, I need forgiveness. And it becomes a community of people on a pathway to a home where love is the language and the accent. And on the way, we have a lot of learning to do. It's one of the reasons why in the course about to be run in this church called Woman to Woman, we're going to look at how family shapes a person's heart, how your understanding of love and the languages with which you try to communicate and understand love so desperately need to be expanded and healed and restored. Learning about the coping strategies of childhood, about denial and anger, forgiveness, learning to relate well, intimacy and ending the ugly work of shame in our lives. That's what's about to happen because you see life is all about learning how to not only receive love from the hand of God but then to begin to give it. We learn the language of life from broken lives. I want to play for you a song. It was written by a dear friend of mine. She was part of the Life Keys team at Mount Evelyn for years. You may have met her at some point in your life. Her name is Helena. She wrote a song which so beautifully explains how hard it is to understand and then communicate love when you've grown up in an environment and your childhood is filled with sadness. And what she's needed was to learn the language of love all over again. Just let this song touch your heart this morning.
Because we were made in the image of God and God is love, there is this cry, this echo, this longing deep within to not only be loved but to communicate and share love. The sad sad thing is it's like a poem where you just can't remember all the lines or a song where you just can't seem to remember all the words and you're not quite sure how to say it and you're not quite sure how to communicate it but you can learn a new language. And I'll tell you where it all begins. It all begins with embracing and determining to allow God to communicate to you that you are so highly valued that God sent his own son into the world that if you would just trust in him, he would act for your benefit now and forever. And then knowing that you have been so valued by the creator of the heavens and the earth, you would begin to share that value. You would decide to value the lives that God has put within the orbit of your experience and treat them with the same dignity and kindness. The more you know you're loved, the more you're capable of communicating to a wife or a husband, to children, to neighbors, to friends, to people you don't really know very well, and even ultimately to be able to love your enemy and value them and treat them with dignity. I want to just conclude this morning with this very beautiful song from Moulin Rouge. I will love you. I will love you. 
the mystery of love. If you are a man here today and you would be willing to undertake the pursuit of love, there's a course about to begin. How family shapes your heart, emotions and how they work, forgiveness, conflict resolution, learning to relate well, intimacy and ending the struggle with shame and guilt. If you're a man today and you know you just need to learn the language of love better than you know it, to be able to speak it with a purer accent, the, the accent of heaven, well, it's worth your time. You were born for heaven. And there's no mountains too high, no river too wide. Sing out this song and Come what may, the cross of Jesus is God's forever promise to you that if you'll trust him, come what may, it all begins with Jesus. And may God touch your heart here today and say, that's what I want, that's what I need. By the grace of God, you'll find it in his hands. Would you bow your heads with me today? Heavenly Father, love is a mystery to us. We've lost some of the words and our accent has got all messed up. But we look to you today. I pray for those who've come, no matter what reason brought them in this door, who today need to hear this. Heaven values you. Heaven values you. And today they want to say, heaven, God, if you value me, I want to come home. If you've come to church today and there's a cry in your heart for God's love to begin the process of healing your sense of lostness, the feeling that maybe you've got no value, it all begins with one decision and that is to say yes to him and say, come into my life. If you're here today, and there is a cry in your heart. You may not even fully understand it, but there is a cry in your heart. God, if you love me, I want to come home. Make a decision. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray a blessing upon you. Have the courage. Just lift your hand. Say, yes, Lord. Good girl. Well done. That's great. That's wonderful. Well done. That's it. It's a decision. You can do it. Yes, Lord. That's the way. Just say, yes, Lord. That is me. That's the way. Good girl. That's wonderful. Just lift your hand. Say, yes, that's me. I make a choice. I want your love. Great. That's beautiful. I want you to take your right hand and put it on your heart. Put it right here. That's the way. Put it on your heart. That's one of the things we do when we 
kind of saying, I mean what I say. I put my hand on my heart. And we're going to help you pray. I want you to say these words out loud. Heavenly Father. Let's all say it together. Heavenly Father. I need help. I've made lots of mistakes. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my life. Let me embrace your love. I choose you. And Jesus, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Amen. May this Valentine's Day be the beginning of deeper and more extraordinary love. You were born for it. May the Lord bless you all the days of your life. Amen.